Hello everyone this is Richa Mishra and in the latest episode of Energenomics we discuss green washing everyone is talking about going green be it big retailers or oil refiners or coal miners what's like going green becoming sustainable and having a zero carbon footprint are on their lips but how honest are the claims being made by them Greenwashing is now being spoken about in India too. To understand the nuances, I had a detailed conversation with brand and business strategy specialist Harish Bejor and Neha Kumar, head of South Asia Programs Climate Bonds Initiative. Welcome, Mr. Harish Bejor. My basic question to you first will be: Would you explain to us what is, does it mean by greenwashing? because perceptions and meanings and interpretations vary you know certain corporates interpret it differently so for a lay person when you're talking greenwashing what are we meaning uh, see the etymology of greenwashing uh, is really from the term whitewashing uh, because you know whitewashing uh, something typically tends to say uh, that something is wrong and you're actually uh, applying a thin coat of uh, distemper on it which is white in color and it covers only only in a thin manner and i think you know that etymology typically tends to say that green washing is about the effort of a corporate enterprise uh, which really says that you know hey listen um, i picked up this one anecdotal piece of green uh, which i am going to tout and which is going to attract big numbers of consumers who will say that i'm a green company they'll come to me with that toehold and that toehold will enlarge my business size now that is the true blue definition of it if you look at it many corporates are guilty of it. and i think that's why the term greenwashing so very, very well and nicely explained to us sir. but the point now comes is ask the teams to have i see it as waking up quite day, late in the day if you're giving the guidance also and the past record says that not always what comes out as uh, you know you can do it yourself self regulation we are not very good at so how do you see this given the background we come from okay uh, when it comes to greenwashing the dictates are far and few there are guidelines which every regulator in every space tends to throw up so the hospitality sector could throw up something the fmcg category will throw something the bfsi category will throw something out Uh, but you know it is for the individual corporates to stick to the tone tenor and decibel of green washing shout uh, are people actually doing it i don't think so a lot of people are actually guilty it cannot be anecdotal it cannot be lip service now lip service green washing is big big stuff anything you know you want to show your entire offering which is a terrible offering in the market you want to show it uh, a polluting offering in the market let's say you want to show it to be green all you need to do is uh, color your entire ad green okay and there goes you know green is such a pleasant color it's all about the ethos of the future sustainability esg goals everything meant uh, um how thin is that uh, as an action by a corporate very very thin as thin as the color uh, green which it actually puts out in print made in print television radio digital outdoor whatever you talk about you know uh, there's a very very anecdotal use of green and i think that needs to be restricted and only self governance can do it really
you're being very optimist there, sir, that you feel that, you know, self governance uh, will, will work here. Uh, to a larger point, bigger corporates are the bigger corporates. In fact, the smaller entities yeah. are much more conscientious, is how I see it. You know, is, is there a need to have a rule book like, okay, you know, someone, uh, say for Ministry of Environment, putting your foot down like, boss, you have to do this, then only you get it. Yes, uh, I think I think that can come in, uh, but then as many rules, that many flouts of those existing rules. Okay, that's the reality of uh, any rule that is thrown down as a dictat to people. Uh, but the point is that you know when it comes to green, uh, extremely important for people to say that you know, hey, I am this much green. Okay. So I, 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 I actually, dig, uh, you know, think uh, forward and say that you must have a green meter within your organization. And the green meter is a scale on a 10-point scale. It simply says that, how green are you? Now, this should be an audit, an audit done internally in the company every year. And all of a sudden, a company, a paint company, let's take a paint company, but it suddenly find itself to be green only to the, tone, uh, to the level of 2 out of 10. So the idea is if you're two out of 10, talk two out of 10. If you're two out of 10, don't talk eight out of 10. And that is integrity. So green is an integrity statement. Uh, you know, we need honest uh, entities which will actually say, I'm 20% green as a company and uh, proudly tout it. And next year they say I'm 23% green. So there is some kind of an internal audit which is actually throwing up facts. Green is not a part of your marketing budget, guys. That's something you need to understand. Green is a part of your business DNA. Green must do nothing with marketing. If that is the purest form of green work that can continue in a country, in a company, in a business. Yeah, that's very, very well said. Now, my, uh, the other point which I want to come to is what is the trigger? Why are we talking it now when the world has spoken about it, you know, ages ago? Uh, the trigger is uh, when business is under stress, it wants to look at stress-busting marketing techniques. Uh, marketing techniques that actually can make your brand jump out there and uh, get you more bigger volumes. And I think that is the motivation. I'll give you an example. There is a garment maker. A garment maker is belongs to something which I call the rag trade. And the rag trade is one of the biggest, biggest, biggest sinners in the market today who fill up huge land piles, you know, with, 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 with wasted stuff, uh, sometimes even returned stuff. So if you really look at it, this player comes out and takes on a small little piece of a garment which it makes, which is totally green and uses that toe hold and says, we are green. It doesn't say that I'm green to the extent of 0.0002% of my enterprise, but it throws out as if it's a green enterprise. And guess what? Consumers are gullible. Consumers say, hey, this is a green garment manufacturer. Let me get in there. When they get in, they discover that one piece of garment which is green, and they discover 99.99% of garments which are non-green. Guess what? They really buy all the non-green stuff, 99.99 recurring percentage, and that 0.1% of green as well. And guess what? The company gets humongous volumes. So green is seen to be 
a way to attract people into your offering, a way to stand out in marketing terms, a way to distinguish in marketing terms, a way to make more green bucks. So how does the economics of these, this greenwashing work? There was a time when uh, CSR was uh, not mandatory. Then to companies slowly, you know, the government got into action. Series of incidents happened and it became. Now, one fine day we have got up and everyone is talking greenwashing today. So how does the economics of it, purely from corporate side of it, work? Okay. Uh, from a pure economics point of view, green makes mega bucks for corporations, okay? Uh, because the moment you talk green, uh, you think of consumers who actually respect you for being green. And that green effort of yours gets in eyeballs, awareness, interest in your product, a flaming desire to own your brands, and, of course, the action of sale, which comes thereafter. And humongous satisfaction for people who say that I bought a green brand. Yeah, but listen, guys. What really happens is green is used as a part of the marketing diktat, and that's when bigger money is coming. My ethos on green is very, very different. My ethos on green is to tell a corporate that green must make a loss for you. Green must never make a profit for you right now. Because if green makes a profit for you, it's something else. Uh, because, you know, you're really not green. You're fooling the consumer out there. And you're making big money out of that. Now, what is it going to do? It's going to set examples for n numbers of other corporates. Well, let me also do it. So the herd mentality of everybody talking green comes in. And, and, and the lack of integrity is so, so over. Green must make a, a bottom line loss for you. Only then you're green. Think of it in that way. Okay. That's very, very well explained, but I don't know how many corporates will think it in that way because as we all know... Well, to... well, sometimes some, yeah, sometimes you need to be very idealistic about these things. Right. Uh, because without idealism, without idealism, we will go nowhere. I think we need a humongous brand uh, bandwagon of brand managers who say uh, that, uh, you know, I need to be very idealistic about this theme of green. I will do green but I will not talk green. The ultimate, you know, green accolade is when you do green as a corporate, when you don't talk about doing green, but others start talking about you doing green. Let others talk about your green efforts, never tout green. And how do you see this initiative of us? Well, uh, very simply speaking, there are companies which started in the early days. I won't take names of theirs because they don't use brand names in programs because that would be touting them as well. I'd simply put it this way, that there's a hospitality chain in this country. And the hospitality chain actually started green. And it said it was all about being green, very, very green. And then suddenly it realized that out comes this entire greenwashing, uh, you know, movement. And now what it's done is, it's retracted back into its shell. And it's not talking about the fact that it's doing green. But the point is, every guest who stays out there understands the ethos of green, sees green. Guests even tell the hospitality chain, hey guys, why aren't you talking about your green? So they tend to say that we've heard a madman tell us, do green, but don't talk green, okay? And this is a client company of mine, therefore I'll not take, a, I'll take the name of the client company. 
But all I'm saying is purity and intent is a big, big factor you need to reinvent in your green enterprise uh, movement. Thank you, Mr. Bajur. Welcome, Ms. Neha Kumar. Uh, thank you, Neha, for joining us for our uh, conversation uh, pertaining to greenwashing for Energonomics series. Greenwashing as a concept is not new, but somehow in India, we are waking up to it now and talking about it now. I mean, uh, I perceive it as quite late in the day, but uh, better late than never is also uh, how it goes. From you, what I want to understand is, coming from the perspective or the side uh, of industry where you come from, is uh, does it actually uh, uh, you know help? Because ASCII uh, is not uh, mandatory. It is self-regulation. And uh, we all know that uh, not everyone does self-regulation. We have also seen SEBI coming out with certain guidance. So uh, how do you see it? I mean, do you actually see implementations happening or what it is? Uh, so first of all, thank you, Richard, for this episode of ergonomics where you're discussing something very uh, important. Uh, and yes, coming from the world that I'm in, which is all about green finance and sustainable finance, this is the central concern. But uh, let me just step back for a bit and talk about um, why right now there is such an attention and what we really mean by greenwashing when we talk about greenwashing. So um, uh, as you mentioned, you know, ASCI came out with certain guidelines and they are not uh, particularly enforceable in terms of, you know, uh, 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 those are simply guidelines, right? But greenwashing, uh, I will use a term more broadly because it is used more broadly. Uh, when we talk about greenwashing, we are basically saying that certain claims pertaining to green, and here now the definition of green itself becomes um, the reason why they could be greenwashing, right? Um, and when companies make it, whether they are whether it is in their products whether it is in their financing, whether it is in their trading, you know, so you have green credits, et cetera, as well. So all of that, when the companies say that they, 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 they make a certain green claim and they can't back it up, either with proof or with studies or with proper information, or sometimes when they're claiming that something will happen in the future, but there is no way to ascertain it. So that is mainly in a sense what greenwashing is i would also include within this definition of green um unfair trade practices unfair social aspects also which are associated with product manufacturing or their uh, availability um and, and and in that sense i wanted to keep the green slightly broader than absolutely only environmental so why there is such an attention on this um, for a couple of reasons. One that all of us know that uh, there is a demand which is growing for green products or environmentally conscious products or socially responsible products. 
And the demand is such that, you know, there was a couple of statistics that I was reading in a short span of like three or four years, um, the market for such eco-friendly products has grown about 73%. But at the same time, uh, the ASCI study itself shows, I think they did a survey and they did a study that nearly 79% of green claims uh, uh, being, being put out cannot be substantiated, you know? So uh, what happens when you do not, when you're not able to substantiate such claims? It is not only bad for environment, but it is also extremely adverse to consumer interests, right? And I say both are equally important because in the name of environment, you are either producing certain things unsustainably and, you know, marketing that, uh, giving that uh, out in the market or financing that. And uh, there couldn't be uh, a much uh, a worse uh, sort of a claim when you are in the name of protecting environment, nothing really is happening. In fact, the opposite is happening because you're able to gain certain strategic advantage, competitive advantage out of that claim from the market and from the consumers. And of course, when consumers are made to believe that they are buying something, uh, whether that is a um, you know a product which tells me that uh, it comes the timber that I'm using the furniture that I'm using is sustainably sourced from sustainably produced timber, or it is um, a greenhouse that I'm living in and I'm I have been sold uh, that on the account of that it saves emissions and it is you know, uh, affordable, uh, it, it, it is green and it is, um, uh, it adds to my uh, state of comfort and the state of environment, then of course I'm being fooled, you know, so you can't, you cannot go um, in the market claiming certain thing uh, with no backing to uh, prove that you're, you're right. So, um, and this has become a problem because it, on the, because it is on the rise and not only in India, but globally. And it is a problem for regulators because they have to protect the interests of you and I and of investors, okay, which could be institutional investors, which could be retail investors. And um, then basically anything that you're doing in the space then the market will not pick up, right? The sentiment will get dampened. You will never be able to ascertain what is right, what is wrong. Then why would people buy such services and such products? So that's very, very well explained. Uh, most of them who claim that it's green may not actually be fitting into the carbon market. So uh, I was also having a conversation with Harish Vajor and we, we came to this point as to why the companies cannot... Uh, Instead of saying uh, uh, green, uh, we are meet, uh, this uh, it's a green product or we're going green, why can't be honest enough and say, let's say, uh, suppose the glasses which I'm wearing, yeah. uh, the company which has made this, uh, would, or could say that, you know, the product meets 20% of the green requirement or 30%, and you are setting targets over the years, you are improving. So why can't we do that instead of saying this? 
Yes. So uh, this is exactly the point. And I think now the regulators are also urging uh, companies to do so that uh, you should be able to tell that these are the trade-offs, right? And those should be pointed out in either your investment, you know, when you call it green investment or in your products. Now, uh, there are a um, couple of things which, you know, everybody has a perspective in this, <laughs> in the system. Mm. Uh, I have, I have talked to companies and they would say, oh no, sometimes the regulations are so um, onerous that they ask so much of detailed information. What all can I print on a small little toffee pack, uh, wrapper, right? Uh, so how much, how much information can I give? So that is what companies also say that, you know, there needs to be some sort of a balance. The other thing uh, that they say is that, you know, um, if regulation is too hard, you know, if it comes back at us all the time, then even the good intentioned steps will not get taken because one will be fearful of litigation. But I think the the balance, as they always say, is somewhere in the middle, you know. So uh, there needs to be a movement towards a couple of things. One is that you need to be able to say what it contains. A, the disclosure needs to be honest and it can be that, okay, today you are only this much and you can add that, you know, you plan to, this is your plan to, you know, uh, make it more green than what it is today. Um, second, the regulations need to be enforced. I think in India, always the case is that before a policy is out there, there are ways to circumvent the policy or the regulation. So uh, there needs to be, better implementation or better enforcement. Now, attaching penalty is something that I do not particularly uh, advocate because uh, then that also becomes uh, some sort of a revenue stream if people really want to go, uh, you know, uh, misutilize that. But I think the reputational cost is should be made very, very high. And that reputational cost will become high if there is also more consumer awareness and the, the, the deterrence that is imposed by say litigation is, and, and, and reputational loss, uh, I think will work better in, in this kind of a scenario where people are only about learning about these things right now. And they and our enforcement systems, I would say that uh, it is better to have uh, something which is non-monetizable. When I say non-monetizable, fines can be pretty monetized, you know. So we live in a system that can, that um, is still growing and it is still taking time to mature. So things need to be simple. Things need to be enforced. And I think uh, both in terms of uh, litigation risk and reputational risk, that idea needs to take further uh, root, uh, in at least in the Indian context. So uh, one point, uh, before I uh, put in my last question, I want to come to you, is uh, there are fossil fuel and fossil fuel companies wanting to refining and all. Uh, we identify them and we tell them they are the 
Whereas I have found over the years, uh, yes, there is a carbon issue there. Car, you know, the, uh, the challenges are there, but I find many of them far more aware and conscientious about this aspect and working. I mean, some of our biggest refineries in India also are, you know, very mindful of what what they're doing. They, uh, they have been green forest areas developed, you know, stuff like that. There has been some kind of balancing done. So, uh, uh, of course, we always identify fossil fuel and the um, corporates and companies into aid of culprit. Uh, globally also, there has been a lot of, you know, issues, especially when oil spills and stuff like that happen, that they, they become the target. Yes. But here, gre by greenwashing, we're talking about claims. We're talking about what you are claiming and marketing your company as. So, uh, my question is that, uh, you know, uh, how aware the consumer can be when he or she is going, you know, it's it's uh, some kind of, it shouldn't be some kind of a fad, but it should be something which you're serious about, concerned about, and then you're doing it. So, like in petrol stations, in fueling stations, they're putting that green logo, okay, this is your ethanol blended, and this is a green fuel, this is a biofuel, you know, those kind of stuff, where consumer is getting to know about it. And uh, they have to tell also what percentage, whether mm -hmm. it is E20 or E10, they have to clear it, spelled out there. Yeah. But for other products, other variants, so how can the consumer be, you know, what can be done to make the consumer aware? Yeah, very important question and not an easy question to answer. Mm -hmm. So you would see that uh, even as consumers, we become hyperactive in the three months of winter in Delhi, right? When we are out on the streets, perhaps not so much because the air is so bad, okay? Uh, but that then fizzles out and goes away unless there is another incident, unless... So it is sort of a, uh, a cycle which revolves around episodes, Okay. And, uh, and that said, I would say the consumer of today, the millennial consumer of today is much more aware and it is demanding greater amount of accountability in action. And I think there is, we can take a little bit of heart in it, but that said does not, it does not substitute the amount of action that requires to be taken by the system itself. And when I say by the system, it is a system of laws. It is the system of, uh, you know, just the, the, the green movement that we are putting through various policies and regulations. It is the choices that actually get given to the consumers within the system, right? So even, so that's why I say that as we move, uh, uh, towards green transition, I think it is not only about uh, installing more renewable energy capacity, but it is also about uh, ascertaining that the consumers and communities will not be adversely affected by the commodities that get produced as a result of green transition, right? So uh, I would say that the owners cannot be squarely 
on uh, on an individual consumer, even though my personal choices make a huge difference. Okay, it is very much a part of the policy apparatus to be able to transition in a manner, which is where the action is visible, where ambition is visible, where accountability is visible. Without these three aspects, whether they are happening at the level of policy or at the level of big companies, we will not be able to turn things around. And like you said, there are companies which are doing and taking necessary steps, but I think they need to up the ante a little bit because uh, by doing credibly green, by, by being credibly green, they also attract that kind of financing. So there is an opportunity for them to be able to attract that preferential financing if, by the way, they are credibly green. And credible is the most important part of it. And how do you decide? You decide it by way, like you said, by laying out a plan. That's where they are today. And this is how they are going to uh, achieve certain targets, say by 2030 or by whatever uh, target year they have, and back it up with implementation plan, back it up with proper third-party verification. Now, how much of this will it become easy for consumer to understand, okay? I think when it becomes part of your regulation and part of your adoption process, uh, the ease with which uh, these, these services are, uh, are given to the consumers and the way they are able to relate, that will also grow. So today, when I go to a petrol station, I have a doubt in my mind whether what I'm being told is correct or not. But if I knew that there is a system backing it up and that those things are in progress, uh, I will, as a consumer, feel a little bit more reassured that I am in a system which takes care of these uh, aspects and it is it puts accountability at the center. So th uh, thank you, Neha. At least we have made, taken, I would say, baby steps towards... Uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm not too sure whether our next generation will be in a happier position, but at least the next, if there is uh, humanity again, they'll be in a much uh, happier situation. So thank you so much for sparing us this time.